Greetings. Welcome to today's reading. We're going to be reading the book of Isaiah on chapter 45, verse 11 to 48, verse 11, for September 25th. Welcome. God bless you. Thank you for listening. This is what the Lord says, the Holy One of Israel and your Creator. Do you question what I do to my for my children? Do you give me orders about the work of my hands? Am I the one who made the earth? I am the one who made the earth and created people to live on it. I am the Lord who made the earth and created people to live on it. With my hands, I stretched out the heavens. All the stars are out of my command. I will raise up Cyprus to fulfill my righteous purpose, and I will guide his actions. He will restore my city and free my captive people without seeking a reward. I, the Lord of heaven's armies, have spoken. This is what the Lord says. You will rule the Egyptians, the Ethiopians, and the Sabaeans. They will come to you with all their merchandise, and it will all be yours. They will follow you as prisoners in chains. They will fall off their knees in front of you and say, God is with you, and he is the only God. There is no other. Truly, O God of Israel, our Savior, your work in mysterious ways. All craftsmen who make idols will be humiliated. They will all be disgraced together. But the Lord will save the people of Israel with eternal salvation. Throughout everlasting ages, they will never again be humiliated and disgraced. For the Lord is God, and he created the heavens and earth and put everything in place. He made the world to be lived in, not to be a place of empty chaos. I am the Lord, he says, and there is no other. I publicly pro proclaim bold promises. I do not whisper obscurity in some dark corner. I would not have told you, the people of Israel, to seek me if I could not be found. I, the Lord, speak only what is true and declare only what is right. Gather together and come, you fugitives from surrounding nations. What fools they are who carry around their wooden idols and pray to God who cannot save. Consult together, argue your case, get together and decide what to say. Who made these things known to so long ago? What idol ever told you? they would happen. Was it not I, the Lord? For there is no other God but me, a righteous God and Savior. There is none but me. Let all the world look to me for salvation. For I am God, there is no other. I have sworn by my own name. I have spoken the truth, and I will never go back on my word. Every knee will bend to me, and every tongue will confess alliance to me. The people will declare 
The Lord is the source of all my righteousness and strength. And all who were angry with him will come to him and be ashamed. In the Lord, all the generations of Israel will be justified. And in him, they will boast. Beth and Nebo, the gods of Babylon, bow as they lower to the ground. They are being hauled away on ox carts. The poor beasts stagger under the weight. Both the idols and their owners are bowed down. The gods cannot protect the people, and the people cannot protect the gods. They go off into captivity together. Listen to me, descendants of Jacob, all you who remain in Israel. I have cared for you since you were born. Yes, I carried you before you were born. I will be your God throughout your lifetime, until your hair is white with age. I made you. I will care for you. I will carry you along and save you. To whom will you compare me? Who is my equal? Some people pour out their silver and gold and hire a craftsman to make a god from it. Then they bow and worship it. They carry it around on their shoulders, and when they set it down, it stays there. It cannot even move. And when someone prays to it, there is no answer. It can't rescue anyone from trouble. Do not forget this. Keep in mind. Remember this, you, you guilty ones. Remember the things I have done in the past. For I alone am God. For I alone am God. I am God. And there is none like me. Only I can tell you the future before it even happens. Everything I plan will come to pass, for I do whatever I wish. I will call a swift bird of prey from the east, a leader from a distant land to come and do my bidding. I have said what I would do, and I will do it. Listen to me, you stubborn people who are so far from doing right, for I am ready to set things right, not in the distant future, but right now. I am ready to save Jerusalem and show my glory to Israel. Come down, virgin daughter of Babylon, and sit in the dust, for your days of sitting on a throne have ended. O daughter of Babylon, never again will you be the lovely princess, tender and delicate. Take heavy millstones and grind flour, remove your veil and strip off your robe. Expose yourself to public view. You will be naked and burdened with shame. I will take vengeance against you without pity. Our Redeemer, whose name is the Lord of Heaven's armies, is the Holy One of Israel. O oh, beautiful Babylon, sit now in darkness and silence. Never again will you be known as the Queen of Kingdoms. For I was angry with my chosen people and punish them by letting them fall into your hands. But you, Babylon, show them no mercy. You oppress even the elderly. You said, I will reign forever as queen of the world. You did not reflect on you act, actions or think about their consequences. Listen to this, you pleasure-loving kingdom. 
living at ease and feeling secure. You say, I am the only one and there's no other. I will never be a widow or lose my children. Well, both these things will come upon you in a moment. Widowhood and the loss of your children. Yes, these calamities will come upon you despite all your witchcraft and magic. You left secure in your wickedness. No one sees me. You said, but your wisdom and knowledge have led you astray. And you said, I am the only one and there is no other. So disaster will overtake you and you won't be able to charm it away. Calamity will fall upon you and you won't be able to buy your way out. A catastrophe will strike you suddenly and one for which you are not prepared. Now use your magical charm. Use the spells you have worked all these years. Maybe they will do you some good. Maybe they can make someone afraid of you. All the advice you receive has made you tired. Where are all your astrologers? Those stargazers who make predictions every each month. Let them stand up and save you from what the future holds. But they are like straws burning in a fire. They cannot save themselves from the flames. You will get no help from them at all. Their heart is no place to sit for warmth. And all your friends, those with whom you've done business since childhood, will go their own ways, turning a deaf ear on your cries. Listen to me, O family of Jacob, you who are called by the name of Israel and born into the family of Judah. Listen, you who take oath in the name of the Lord and call on the God of Israel. You don't keep your promises even though you call yourself the holy city and talk about depending on the God of Israel, whose name is the Lord of heaven's armies. Long ago, I told you what was going to happen. Then suddenly I took action and all my predictions came true. For I know how stubborn and obstinate you are. Your necks are as unbending as iron. Your heads are as hard as bronze. That's what I told you what would happen. I told you before what I was going to to do. That you could never say my idols did it. My wooden image and metal God commanded it to happen. You have heard me predictions and seen them fulfill, but you refuse to admit it. Now I will tell you new things, secrets you have not yet heard. They are brand new, not things from the past, but you cannot say we knew that all the time. Yes, I will tell you of things that are entirely new. Things you never heard of before. For I know so well what traitors you are. You have been rebels from the birth. Yet for my own sake and for the honor of my name, I will hold back my anger and not wipe you out. 
I have refined you, but not as silver is refined. Rather, I have refined you in the furnace of suffering. I will rescue you for my sake. Yes, for my own sake. I will not let my reputation be tarnished. And I will not share my glory with idols. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Remember, when you go through trials, look at them as a chance to persevere in your faith. Instead of complaining, turn to God. He wants you to fasten your grip on Him. That is what faith is. Without these trials, we would never know God's power. And without the refining, we will not become more like Christ, completely dependent on Him. God wanted to fasten Israel's grip on their false unfasten their grip to their false security. And what is our false security today? The government, our credit cards. What is the thing that we rely on? Our own strength, our own faith. We need to replenish it. That's all we have to do. We have to say, Lord, you are Lord of my life. I ask you for your strength. I believe if we ask God for his strength, we ask for his goodness for the day, we're good to go. We have made peace with the Creator. And it's not all rocket science, guys. It's easy. Our Father is easy. Say the Our Father, doing what we're doing right now, listening to the Word of God, and, and having that joy and that faith that He has heard us. He said, uh, seek me and you will find me when you seek me with all his heart, with all our heart. We do, and we find him, and that's why we're here. We're listening for so long. Thank you so much for listening right now. God bless you. Enjoy these readings. In Jesus' name. Welcome to today's reading. Welcome to today's reading. We're going to be reading Isaiah 43, starting at verse 14. This is what the Lord says, Your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, for your sake, I will send an army against Babylon, forcing the Babylonians to flee in those ships they are so proud of. I am the Lord, your Holy One, Israel's Creator and King. I am the Lord who will open a way through the waters, making a dry path through the sea. I call forth the mighty army of Egypt with all its chariots and horses. I drew them beneath the waves, and they drowned. Their lives snuffle out like a smoldering candle wick. But forget all that. It is nothing compared to what I'm going to do. For I am about to do something new. See, I have already begun. Do you not see it? I will make a pathway through the wilderness. I will create rivers in the dry wastelands. The wild animals in the fields will thank me. The jackals and owls too for giving them water in the desert 
Yes, I will make rivers in the dry waterland so my chosen people can be refreshed. I have made Israel for myself and they will someday honor me before the whole world. But, dear family of Jacob, you refuse to ask for my help. You have grown tired of me, O Israel. You have not brought me sheep or goats for burnt offerings. You have not honored me with your sacrifices, though I have not burdened any wearied you with requests for grain offerings and frankincense. You have not brought me fragrant calamus or pleased me with the fat from sacrifices. Instead, you have burdened me with your sins and wearied me with your faults. I, yes, I alone will blot out your sins for my own sake and will never think of them again. Let us review the situation together and you can present your case to prove your innocence. From the very beginning, you first ancestors sinned against me. All your leaders broke my laws. That is why I have disgraced your priests. I have decreed complete destruction for Jacob and shame for Israel. But now, listen to me, Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. The Lord who made you and helped you says, Do not be afraid, O Jacob, my servant, O dear Israel, my chosen one, for I will pour out water to quench your thirst and to irrigate your parched fields, and I will pour out my spirit on your descendants and my blessings on your children. They will thrive like water grass, like willows on a river bank. Some will probably claim, I belong to the Lord. Others will say, I am a descendant of Jacob. Some will write the Lord's name on their lands and will take the name of Israel as their own. This is what the Lord says, Israel's King and Redeemer, the Lord of Heaven's armies. I am first and the last. There is no other God. Who is like me? Let him step forward and prove to you his power. Let him do as I have done since ancient times, when I establish a people and explain its future. Do not tremble, do not be afraid. Did I not proclaim my purposes for you long ago? You are my witness. Is there any other God? No, there is no other rock. Not one. How foolish are those who manufacture idols. These prizes objects are readily worthless. The people who worship idols don't know this. So they are all put to shame. Who put a fool would make his own God. Who but a fool will make his own God. An idol that cannot help him one bit. All who worship idols will be disgraced along with all these craftsmen, mere humans, who claim they can make a god. They may all stand together, but they will stand in terror and shame. The blacksmith stands in, in the The black man stands in his forge to make a sharp tool, 
pounding and shaping it with all this might. His work makes him hungry and weak. It makes him thirsty and faint. Then the woodcarvers measured a block of wood and draws a pattern on it. He works with chisel and plane and carves it into human figure. He gives it human beauty and puts it in a little shrine. He cuts down cedars. He selects the cypress and the oak. He plants the pine in the forest to be nourished by the rain. Then he uses part of the wood to make a fire when it is warm himself and bakes his bread. Then, yes, it's true, he takes the rest of it and makes himself a god to worship. He makes an idol and bows down in front of it. He burns part of the tree to roast his meat and to keep himself warm. He says, ah, the fire feels good. There he takes what's left and makes his god a carved idol. He falls down in front of it, worshiping and praying to it. Rescue me, he says. You are my God. Such stupidity and ignorance. Their eyes are closed and they cannot see. Their minds are shut and they cannot think. The person who made the idol never stops to reflect or stops. Why? It's just a block of wood. I burn half of it for heat to warm my food and use it to break and roast my meat. How can the rest of it be a god? Should I bow down to worship a piece of wood? The poor, deluded fool feeds on ashes. He trusts something that can't help him at all. Yet he cannot bring himself to ask, Is this idol that I am holding in my hand is a lie? Pay attention, O Jacob, for you are my servant, O Israel. I, the Lord, made you, and I will not forget you. I have swept away your sins like a cloud. I have scattered your offenses like the morning mist. Oh, return to me, for I have paid the price to set you free. Sing, O heavens, for the Lord has done this wondrous thing. Shout for joy, O depths of the earth. Break into song, O mountains and forests and ever ever trees for the Lord has redeemed Jacob and is glorified in Israel. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer and Creator. I am the Lord who made all things. I alone stretch out the heavens. Who was with me when I made the earth? I expose the false prophets as liars and make fools of fortune tellers. I cause the wise to give bad advice. Thus proving them to be fools. But I carry out the predictions of my prophets. By them I said to Jerusalem, People who live here again, and to the towns of Judah, you will be rebuilt. I will restore all your ruins. When I speak of the rivers and say, Dry up, they will be dry. When I say to the Cyrus, He is my shepherd, he will certainly do as I say. He will command, rebuild Jerusalem, and he will say, Restore the temple. This is what the Lord says to Cyrus, his anointed one, whose right hand he will empower. Before him mighty kings will be paralyzed with fear. Their fortress gates will be opened never to shut again. This is what the Lord says, 
I will go before you, Cyrus, and level the mountains. I will smash down gates of bronze and cut through bars of iron. And I will give you treasures hidden in the darkness, secret riches. I will do this so you may know that I am the Lord, the God of Israel, the one who calls you by name. And why have I called you for this work? Why did I call you by name when you did not know me? It is for the sake of Jacob, my servant, Israel, my chosen one. I am the Lord. There is no other God. I have equipped you for battle, though you don't even know me. So all the world from east to west will know there is no other God. I am the Lord, and there is no other. I created the light and make the darkness. I send good times and bad times. I, the Lord, am the one who does these things. Open up, O heavens, and pour out your righteousness. Let the earth open wide, for salvation and righteousness can sprout up together. I, the Lord, created them. What sorrow awaits those who argue with their Creator? Does a clay pot argue with its makers? Does the clay dispute with the one who shapes it, saying, Stop, you're doing it wrong. Does the pot exclaim, How clumsy can you be? How terrible it would be if a newborn baby said to the father, Why was I born? Or if it said to its mother, Why did you make me this way? A Bible study. Isaiah describes how people made their own gods. He points out the absurdity of swearing and toiling to create a god that you can bow to and worship. What good is a god made by your own hands? As good as firewood in Isaiah's view. It makes more sense to serve and worship the one who created us than to worship the things were created. When they are wood, stone, or metal, it's easy to see our idols. It's easy to recognize the foolishness of worshiping something we made with our own hands. But what are the things we swear and toil over? What are the technology, government, movies, music? social affairs there are other things we didn't make but can spend our lives on nature and people do isaiah words apply in those situations we deceive ourselves if we trust in any of these things to give us hope or purpose only when we trust god first can any of these secondary things be worth our time and effort There is great benefit in all these things, but if they become the source of our hope, we might as well be worshiping firewood. <laughs> That's obvious. Isn't it amazing that people, because of lack of knowledge, my people are destroyed lack of knowledge people from all over the world are destroyed a person is gifted with faith with 
hope and faith. And they take that hope and faith and buy a little statue or buy a candle and light it and they put their hope and their faith in that. Where their instincts are telling them there's a God who created the heavens and the earth. Even though they mean good, uh, we have instructions. We have the Word of God. Got to be courageous enough to listen to the Word and to give attention to it. Amen. And now we're going to have study the book of Ephesians chapter 3. The study, the Bible study says, God's love is total. It reaches every corner of our experience. It is wide. It covers the breadth of our own experience and it reaches out to the whole world. God's love is long. It continues every moment of our lives, past, present, and future. It is high. It rises to the highest of our celebration, elation. His love is deep. It reaches to the depths of discouragement, despair, or even death. The fullness of life and power that God gives us comes from being united with Christ, Colossians 2.9. It is by trusting Christ that we are united with Him. Christ will make His home in your hearts, in our hearts, if we trust Him. Whether we are excited for the future, regret the past, discouragement of the present, or filled with hope, we remember that we can never be lost to God's love. Romans 8, 38 and 39. May we experience the love of Christ. Amen. And we do. We do. Okay, the reading of Ephesians chapter 3. When I think of all this, I, Paul, a prisoner of Christ Jesus, for the benefit of you Gentiles, assuming by the way that you know God gave one special responsibility of extending His grace to you Gentiles. As I briefly wrote earlier, God Himself revealed His marvelous plan to me. As you read what I have written, you will understand my insight into this plan regarding Christ. God did not reveal it to previous generations, but now, by His Spirit, He has revealed it to His holy apostles and prophets. And this is God's plan. Both Gentiles and Jews who believe the good news share equally in the riches inherited by God's children. Both are part of the same body and both enjoy the promise of blessings because they belong to Christ Jesus. By God's grace and mighty power, I have been given the privilege of serving Him by spreading this good news. Though I am the least deserving of all God's people, He graciously gave me the privilege of telling the Gentiles about the endless treasure available to them in Christ. I was chosen to explain to everyone this mysterious plan that God, the creator of all things, has kept secret from the beginning. God's purpose in all this was to use the church to display His wisdom in its richest variety to all the unseen 
rulers and authorities in the heavenly places. This was his eternal plan, which he carried out through Christ Jesus our Lord. Because of Christ and our faith in him, we now can come boldly and confidently into God's presence. So please don't lose heart because of my, my trials here. I am suffering for you, so you should feel honored. When I think of all this, I fall to my knees and pray to the Father, the creator of everything in heaven and on earth. I pray that from his glorious unlimited resources, he will empower you with inner strength through his spirit. That Christ will make his home in your hearts as you trust in him. Your roots will go down into God's love and keep you strong. And may you have the power to understand all God's people should, how wide, how long, how high, and how deep his love is. May you experience the love of Christ, though it is too great to understand fully, then you will be made complete with all of the fullness of life and power that come from God. Now all glory to God who is able through his mighty power at work within us to accomplish infinitely more than we might ask or think. Glory to God in the church and in Christ Jesus through all, all generations forever and ever. Amen. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God. Praying the Psalms. We thank God for blessing his people with good things and for making his home in our hearts. Thank you, Heavenly Father. Thank you for sending your son, Jesus Christ. Thank you for the blood, Lord, that you left behind and the Holy Spirit that you sent to us, Lord. Thank you for the wonderful water that we are born again through water and spirit and the blood. Thank you for your marvelous plan. We say yes, 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 Lord. Yes to your plan. Yes to your ways, Lord. Yes to the blood of Jesus that defeats Satan. The devil is defeated by the blood of the Lamb. Sickness and disease, you are defeated by the blood of the Lamb. Poverty and lack, you are defeated by the blood of the Lamb. And the word of my testimony. Sickness and disease loneliness and fear death you have been defeated by the blood of the lamb and the word of my testimony the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth we are free indeed and Christ lives in us we are sealed and we're good to go in Jesus mighty name amen Psalm 68 rise up O God and scatter your enemies. Let those who hate you, God, run for their lives. Blow them away like smoke. Melt them like wax in a fire. Let the wicked perish in the presence of God. But let the godly rejoice. Let them be glad in God's presence. Let them be filled with joy. Sing praises to God and to his name. Sing loud praises to him who rise the clouds. His name is the Lord. Rejoice in his presence. Father to the fatherless, defender of widows, this is God, whose dwelling is holy. 
God places the lonely in families. He sets the prisoners free and gives them joy. But he makes the rebellious live in a sun-scorched land. Oh God, when you led your people out from Egypt, when you marched through the dry wasteland, the earth trembled and the heavens poured down rain before you. The God of Sinai, before God, the God of Israel, you sent abundant rain, O oh God, to refresh the weary land. There the people finally settled, and with a bountiful harvest, O oh God, you provided for your needy people. The Lord gives the word, and great army brings the good news. Enemies, kings, and their armies flee, while the women of Israel divide the plunder. Even those who live among the sheepholes found treasures, doves with wings of silver and feathers of gold. The Almighty scattered the enemy's kings like a blowing snowstorm on Mount Salmon. The mountains of Bashan are majestic, with many peaks stretching high into the sky. Why do you look with envy, O rugged mountain, at Mount Zion, where God has chosen to live, where the Lord himself will be live forever? Surrounded by unencumbered thousands of chariots, the Lord came from Mount Sinai into his sanctuary. When you ascend to the heights, you led a crowd of captives. You received gifts from the people, even from those who reveled against you. Now the Lord God will live among us there. Proverbs 24, 1 and 2. Don't envy evil people or desire their company, for their hearts plot violence and their words always stir up trouble. Welcome to September's first reading, and Anna will take the first shot. Amen. Job chapter 40 1 through 42, 17. Then the Lord said to Job, Do you still want to argue with the Almighty? You are God's critic, but do you have the answers? Then Job, repl- Job replied to the Lord, I am nothing. How could I ever find the answers? I will cover my mouth with my hand. I have said too much already. I have nothing more to say. Then the Lord answered Job from the whirlwind. Brace yourself like a man because I have some questions for you and you must answer them. Will you discredit my justice and condemn me just to prove you're right? Are you as strong as God? Can you thunder a voice like his? All right, put on your glory and splendor, your honor and your majesty. Give vent to your anger. Let it overflow against the proud. Humiliate the proud with a glance. Walk on the wicked where they stand. Bury them in the dust. Imprison them in the world of the dead. Then even I would praise you. 
for your own strength would, would save you. Take a look at Be'emoth, which I made, just as I made you. It eats grass like an ox, sees its powerful loins and the muscles of its belly, its tail as strong as a cedar. The sinews of its thighs are knit tightly together. Its bones are tubes of bronze. Its limbs are bars of iron. It is a prime example of God's handiwork, and only its creator can threaten it. The mountains offer its uh, offer it their best food, where all the wild animals play. It lies under the lotus plants, hidden by the reeds in the marsh. The lotus plants give it shade among the willows beside the stream. It is not disturbed by raging river, by the raging river, not concerned when the swelling Jordan rushes around it. No, no one can catch it off ground, off guard, or put a ring in its nose and lead it away. Can you catch Levathan with a hook or put a noose around its jaw? Can you tie it with rope though, through the noose or pierce its jaw with a spike? Will it beg you for mercy or implore you for pity? Will it agree to work for you, to be your slave for life? Can you make it a pet like a bird or give it your little girls to play with or give it to your little girls to play with? Will merchants try to buy it, to sell it in their shops? Will it, will its hide be hurt by spears or its head by a harpoon if you lay a hand on it? You will certainly remember the battle that follows. You won't try that again. No, it's useless to try to capture it. The hunter who attempts it will be knocked down. And since no one dares to disturb it, who then can stand up to me? Who has given me anything that I need to pay back? Everything under heaven is mine. I want to emphasize Levithan's limbs and its enormous strength and graceful form. Who can strip off its hide and who can penetrate its double layer of armor? Who could pry open its jaws for its teeth are terrible. Its scales are like rows of shields, tightly sealed together. They are so close together that no air can get between them. Each scale sticks tight to the next. They interlock and cannot be penetrated. When it sneezes, it flashes light. Its eyes are like the red of dawn. Lightning leaps from its mouth. Flames of fire flash out. Smoke streams from its nostrils, like steam from a pot heated over burning ashes, burning rushes. Its breath would kindle coals, for flames shoot from its mouth. The tremendous strength in Levathan's neck strikes terror wherever it goes. Its flesh is hard and firm and cannot be penetrated. Its heart is hard as rock, hard as a millstone. When it rises, the mighty dead are afraid, gripped by terror. No sword can stop it, no spear, dart, or javelin. Iron is nothing but straw to that creature, and bronze is like rotten wood. Arrows cannot make it flee. 
Stones shot from a sling are like bits of grass. Clubs are like a blade of grass, and it laughs at the swish of javelins. Its belly is covered with scales as sharp as glass. It plows up the ground as it drags through the mud. Levathan makes the water boil with its commotion. It stirs the depths like a pot of ointment. The water glistens as uh, glistens in its wake, making the sea look white. Nothing on earth is equal to other creatures so fearless. All of the creatures, it is the proudest, it is the king of beasts. Then Job replied to the Lord, I know that you can do anything and no one can stop you. You asked, who is this that questions my wisdom with such ignorance? It is I, and I was talking about things I know nothing about. Things far too wonderful for me. You said, listen, and I will speak. I have some questions for you, and you must answer them. I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said, and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. After the Lord had finished speaking to, to Job, he said to Eliphaz the Terminite, Temanite, I am angry with you and your two friends for not for you have not spoken accurately about me as my servant Job has. So take seven bulls and seven rams and go to my servant Job and offer a burnt offering for yourselves. My servant Job will pray for you and I will accept his prayer on your behalf. I will not treat you as you deserve for you have not spoken accurately about me and my servant as my servant Job has. So Eliphaz, the, the Temanite, Bildad, the, the Shuite, and Zophar, the Namoite, did as the Lord commanded them, and the Lord accepted Job's prayer. When Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before. Then all of his brothers, sisters, and former friends came and feasted with him in his home. And they consoled him and comforted him because all trials of the Lord had brought that the, the trials the Lord had brought against him and each of them brought him a gift of money and a gold ring so the Lord blessed Job in the second half of his life even more than in the beginning for now he had 14,000 sheep 6,000 camels a thousand teams of oxen and a thousand female donkeys he also gave Job seven more sons and three more daughters he named his first daughter Jemiah the second, Keziah, and the third, Karen Hapach. In all the land, no women were as lovely as the daughters of Job, and their father put them into his will along with their brothers. Job lived 140 years after that, living to see four generations of his children, the grandchildren. Then he died, an old man who had lived a long and full life. Hallelujah. Good so Let good. me go ahead and read the study and then we'll comment on you. Okay. okay. Why do believers experience trouble and suffering? Through a long debate, Job's supposedly wise friends were unable to answer this question. They made a serious error in assuming that trouble comes only because people sin. People make the same mistake today when they think sickness or poverty is a sign of unconfessed sin or a lack of faith. Normally, obeying God does lead to a happier life 
while reveling against God yields an unhappy life. But this is not always true. In our world, invaded by sin, suffering comes to the good and the bad alike. This doesn't mean that God is uncaring, unjust, or powerless to protect us. Bad things happen because we live in a broken world where all people suffer from the tragic consequences of sin. Though God allows evil for a time, he has the power to turn it around for our good, Romans 8.28. And God uses suffering in our lives to teach us faith and dependence on him. His ultimate goal is not that we live an easy life, but that we grow closer to him and become more like him. In the end, we may not be able to understand why God allows evil, but we can be sure that he is all-powerful and knows what he is doing. Well, that's good. And the, the last statement, he should have just said that in the beginning. Uh, we may not be able to understand why God allows evil, but we can be sure that he is all-powerful and knows what he's doing. And just to trust him and praise him and thank him. And keep your eye out, you know, and don't get into stupid situations with stupid people, dangerous places. Be on guard, you know, there's there's big sin out there, and it's raining disaster on uh, on the evil. Um, but I like the restoration. Yes, process. amen. What'd you get, babe? Well, I really like, uh, I think the turning point, I like the way, you know, God speaks to him. And he, he, he goes on to describe the Leviathan and all of the way God made it. And there is no explanation that, that, that Job can come back with. And he realizes that, that God is, um, he says, uh, I know you can do anything and no one can stop you, okay? Um, he, and he admits, I don't know anything about this, Lord. Um, and so he, he kind of submitted to that and, and to the power of God as far as his um, greatness. And um, I like, this is very, very important. It says, I had only heard about you before, but now I have seen you with my own eyes. I take back everything I said and I sit in dust and ashes to show my repentance. He repents because... You know, how many of us have heard from heard about God? Um, you know, maybe in my early, early days of being born again. Yeah, I heard about God, but did I encounter him and see him intimately? Um, you know, I didn't. I, I can I can understand that that comment. Um, I've heard all the good things about God or what God does. Or even when I was growing up, I heard about the Bible and stuff. But did I have an encounter with God? No. Have I had an encounter since I've been growing spiritually? Yes. And that's by learning more about who Jesus is in the Bible, hearing the word consistently. Um, I've had some several good encounters with the Lord. So I think we have to, um, you know, be careful about how, what we're listening to. If we're listening uh, to a good representation of God and that he's a good God versus he's a punishing God. And um, God, and, and he says it here is that, you know, God addresses that all his friends um, need, need to submit a, an offering and have Job pray for them because of, of how they were trying to, um, you know, how to portray God as being a, 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 a 
a God that's not loving, a God who doesn't care because the trial had happened to Job. And so I think we have to keep that in mind. We may go through trials, but remember in the book of um, Psalms 23, it says, yes, though I go through the valley of shadow death, I will fear no evil for you are with me. So we're going through that. We're not going to stay there forever. Jesus is with you. He's for you. He's not against you. So we got to get ourselves in that perspective that God is going to work everything out for our good. So I love this part. Um, I think the ending of Job is the best because it really does say, how do you perceive God? Do you perceive him as a loving, kind, compassionate God who's forgiven you, who has grace for you as you go through uh, these trials, uh, that he is a supply for to keep you in joy as you're going through it, that he has a supply of peace for you, the way he said, I, I, I come to give my peace to you, to the, to the disciples in the book of John. So, um, and I think, you know, I, if you do go through a trial, whatever that is, financial, uh, problem in your marriage, um, healing that you need, pray for others. Keep on praying for others because there's a blessing in praying for others as you're going through your own stuff. Um, so, and it says here, when Job, Job prayed for his friends, the Lord restored his fortunes. In fact, the Lord gave him twice as much as before than all his brothers, sisters, and former friends came and feasted him, feasted with him in the home. So, uh, in the end, the restoration happened double. I mean, he just had his, his, the end of his life was so much full of blessings that, uh, you know, this is proof right here that if you go through something, there's always a blessing at the end. And God is a God of restoration. And God is kind. And God is merciful. And, um, you know, humble ourselves before the Lord. And he will hear us. He'll exalt us in, in, in due season. So let's get excited. You know, I, I know that sometimes life is hard. It hits hits you upside your head sometimes. It but focus on your God and how powerful he is and how he wants to bless you, even though he's teaching something along the way. Something good is going to come out of the trial you're going through. And, and you know, it did say that it creates a, a, a stronger dependence on the Lord as you go through a trial. You're going to draw closer. You're going you're gonna to see that God is so good and that he's such a kind daddy. And I just, I, I love the ending of this 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 chapter and how God just, you know, just gave him so much and restored all that the enemy took. The Lord repaid him for, for that. But it was when Job realized, Hey, I've been wrong in the way I see you or uh, what I've heard about you. I've been wrong, but now I see it from my own eyes. How, what a good God you are, how powerful you are and uh, what a King you are. So good, good, good teaching. I'm glad I read that today. I'm usually go to the new testament but this was especially a blessing today to read this thank you very much as you were reading you know you answered that question in my head you know that uh god's justice is that he is mm. we don't get to see him like job did have mm. you ever seen him sitting on his throne like king david solomon a lot of people saw him his great power and strength and it it balances out even yes. though there's turmoil and, and things and things you say it's not yes. fair. Mm, amen. But we see God who he is in his creation. Yes. Amen. 
And we say, oh my God, but we, a lot of us don't get to because right. we're not seeking him hard enough. Okay. We're not, uh, we're looking at small things here and there to, uh, to see him for what he is, is, is really, all we can do is feel his love and trust him. Yeah, and I like what you just said. God is a God of justice. So no matter what goes on around us in this country, God will expose the bad, and he's a God of justice, and it won't continue. God is a God of justice for a situation uh, in, in all the areas of your life where something's come up against you. Um, you know, we have to remember, he brings the justice. And I know I've seen that firsthand with my niece, Jessica, and how God, you know, for seven years she went through a trial, and how God delivered her from that, like that, suddenly. So call on the God of justice and keep seeking him and keep believing that he has the power to deliver you from an injustice that's taken place in your life and even for the injustices that go on for our people on, on the earth. So I, I strongly believe that in Jesus' name. Amen. We take the loot from Satan and we receive it and put it into God's work in Jesus' mighty name. Amen. All right, reading today, uh, we continue our study for September the 1st. We're going to be reading 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse starting at verse 11. But before I do that, let me read the, um, the commentary. It says from the New Living Translation, People who put their faith in Christ are brand new people inwardly. The Holy Spirit gives them new life. They are no longer the same. We are not reformed, rehabilitated, or re-educated we are recreated, living in vital union with Christ, Colossians 2, 6 and 7. At conversion, we don't merely turn over a new leaf. We begin a new life under a, a new master. While this newness is true in our personal lives, Paul is claiming as much larger territory for the new creation. Not only are believers chained from within, but all of creation is being renewed. A whole new order began with Christ's coming and sacrificial death. There is a new covenant, a new perspective, a new body, a new church. Look around you. This is not a superficial change that will be quickly superseded by another novelty. This is an entirely new order of creation with Christ overall. This involves a new way of looking at everything. Does our life reflect this new perspective? Amen. Amen. And the reading is, starts at verse 11, chapter 5, 2 Corinthians. Because we, Paul, and his co-workers understand our fearful responsibility to the Lord, we work hard to persuade others. God knows we are sincere, and I hope you, Corinthians, know this too. Are we commending ourselves to you again? No, we are giving you a reason to be proud of us so you can answer those who brag about having a spectacular ministry rather than having a sincere heart. If it seems we are crazy, it is to bring glory to God. And if we are in our right minds, it is for your benefit. Either way, Christ's love controls us. Since we believe that Christ died for all, we all also believe that we all have died to our old life. He died for everyone so that those who receive his new life will no longer live for themselves. Instead, they will live for Christ who died and raised for them and was raised for them. So we have stopped evaluating others from a human point of view. 
At one time, we thought of Christ merely from a human point of view. How differently we know him now. This means that anyone who belongs to Christ has become a new person. This old life is gone. A new life has begun. And all of this is a gift from God who brought us back to himself through Christ. And God has given us this task of reconciliating people to him. For God was in Christ reconciling the word to himself, no longer counting people's sin against them. And he gave us this wonderful message of reconciliation. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. We speak for Christ when we plead, come back to God. For God made Christ who never sinned to be the offering for our sins so that we could be made right with God through Christ. Amen. The word of the Lord. Praying the Psalms. As part of the church, prepare yourself like a bride prepares for her dwelling. Prepare your heart to honor Christ. Psalm 45, 1 through 17. Beautiful words stir my heart. I will recite a lovely poem about the king, for my tongue is like a pen of a skillful poet. You are the most handsome of all. Gracious words stream from your lips. God himself has blessed you forever. Put on your sword, O mighty warrior. You are so glorious, so majestic. In your majesty, ride out to victory, defending truth, humility, and justice. Go forth to perform all inspiring deeds. Your arrows are sharp, piercing your enemy's heart. The nations fall beneath your feet. Your throne, O God, endures forever and ever. You rule with a scepter of justice. You love justice and hate evil. Therefore, God, your God, has anointed you, pouring out the oil of joy on you more than on anyone else. Myrrh, aloes, and cassia perfume your robes. In ivory palaces, the music of string entertains you. King's daughters are among your noble women. At your right side stands the queen wearing jewelry of finest gold from Ophir. Listen to me, O royal daughter. Take to heart what I say. Forget your people and your family far away. For your royal husband delights in your beauty. Honor him, for he is your lord. The prince of Tyre will shower you with gifts. The wealthy will beg your favor. The bride of princess looks glorious in her golden gown. In her beautiful robe, she is led to the king, accompanied by her bridemaids. What a joyful and enthusiastic profession as they enter the king's palace. Your sons will become kings like their father. You will make them rulers over many lands. I will bring honor to your name in every generation. Therefore, the nations will praise you forever and ever. Amen. Proverbs twenty-two fourteen, The mouth of an immoral woman is a dangerous trap. Those who make the Lord angry will fall into it. Amen. The word of the Lord. Amen. Thanks be to God. Amen. Um, you have any comment? Just uh, the most important uh, in the first Corinthians or the you read in Second Corinthians the ending there. Second uh-huh. um, Corinthians five twenty-one is is very is like a key scripture here. Um, for God made Christ, who never sinned, to be to be the offering for our sin, 
so that we could be made right with God through Christ. You know, we talk about the reconciliation, but this is the this is the nugget in this this particular reading that um, we've already Christ has already taken up all our sin at the cross, and that we would be the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus, and God won't be holding our sins against us anymore. So that is really good news, okay, for um, for those who think that 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 they're not forgiven. If you believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, uh, you will be saved, the scripture says. And um, So what should I continue to say? I am the, the righteousness, righteousness of God, God in, in Christ, Christ Jesus. Jesus. Amen. I claim it, yes. and it is so, and I believe yeah. it, and it comes to pass. Amen. I'm glad you brought it up because I see the uh, verse 20. Uh -huh. So we are Christ's ambassadors. God is making his appeal through us. Yes. We speak for Christ when we plead Come, come back, back to God. Very simple. Come back to God. And that's what every organization in the world, it should be, come back to God. And you made a real good point when you mentioned the Job's friends. You know that religions today are based on, on Job's mm -hmm. friends' uh, comments. Yes. That's how they, they can't go any further with God. And they, they got works. They got you know, situations, you know, like Muhammad, and a lot of religions have been made on manly thinking, mm -hmm. worldly thinking, as yeah. opposed to the, the, the tremendous creative power of God that we wouldn't even have breath or even the ability to think if it wasn't for God. Right. And they, they don't allow themselves to think that far. You know, it's it's the, the way God, he was angry because the way he's being portrayed right mm. as you have sinned and this is why this is happening to you or you know you hear that in some of the circles still in religion where they say you know uh you must have sin in your life because you're you're sick that is that is a lie from the pit of hell so um so we have to be careful you know we we who is god you don't know him if you don't see him as a kind loving dad um, and I, th I think that that's really important that so much about Job, well, God did this to Job, blah, blah, blah. But what about the end of the book that says God restored to him all that was the enemy took and, you know, um, everything that was taken away from him. But, but Job realized he was in the wrong, believing how he heard of him, right? Mm -hmm. But he saw God with his own eyes and what a what a good God that he just backed off. Hey, you're right, God. You know, how many times have we tried to be God and answer? And even when we're ministering to people, how, how often do we try to think we have all the answers? That's wrong. We don't. We only know what the word says. Come back to God. Yes. Come back to God and receive his grace. And even when you're in a moment of struggle with sin, you say, I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. You keep saying that. Even in the midst of your pornography, say it. In the midst of your anger, say it. Yes. Act like you achieve a good thing. Yes. Uh -huh. I am the righteousness of God, God in Christ. Christ. Even in the midst of your anger, in the midst of your gambling, Amen. in the midst of your lust, I am the righteousness of God in Christ. you got nothing to lose. Uh -huh. What do you got to lose? If you don't do it, it's because uh, you have self-sufficiency, pride, arrogance, or we're, we're doing like Joe's friend. We're putting God in a box. Amen. God is so mighty, and we're saying the truth. We're declaring that we're already a new creation in Christ Jesus. All we're adding to it is the voice of liberation, the voice of the Spirit, the voice of truth. I am the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that is in me than he that's in the world. 
No weapon formed against me will prosper, but whatever I do will prosper in the name of the Lord. My God supplies all my needs according to his riches and glory in Christ Jesus. Again, greater is he that is in me than he that is in the world. I can do all things through Christ who strengthens me. I am a world overcomer because I have been born of God. Amen and amen. Thank amen. you for listening to today's teaching. Bye now. Amen. September 4th, Ecclesiastes chapter 7. A good reputation is more valuable than costly perfume. On the day you die is better than the day you are born. Better to spend your time at funerals than at parties. After all, everyone dies. So the living should take this to heart. Sorrow is better than laughter. For sadness is has a refining influence on us. A wise person thinks a lot about death. While a fool thinks only about having a good time. Better to be criticized by a wise person than to be praised by a fool. A fool's laughter is quickly gone, like thorns crackling in a fire. This also is meaningless. Extortion turns wise people into fools, and bribes corrupt the heart. Finishing is better than starting. Patience is better than pride. Control your temper, for anger labels you as a fool. Don't long for the good old days. This is not wise. Wisdom is even better when you have money. Both are a benefit as you go through life. Wisdom and money can get you almost anything, but only wisdom can save your life. Accept the way God does things, for who can straighten what he has made crooked? Enjoy prosperity while you can, but when hard times strike, realize that both come from God. Remember that nothing is certain in this life. I, the teacher, have seen everything in this meaningless life, including the death of young, good people and the long life of wicked people. So don't be too good or too wise. Why destroy yourself? On the other hand, don't be too wicked either. Don't be a fool. Why die before your time? Pay attention to these instructions, for anyone who fears God will avoid both extremes. One wise person is strong, stronger than ten leading citizens of a town. Not a single person on earth is always good and never sins. Don't eavesdrop on others. You may hear your servant curse you. For you know how often you yourself have cursed others. I have always tried my best to let wisdom guide me, guide my thoughts and actions. I said to myself, I am determined to be wise. But it didn't work. Wisdom is always distant and difficult to find. I search everywhere, determined to find wisdom and to understand the reason for things. I was determined to prove myself that wickedness is stupid and that foolishness is madness. 
I discovered that a seductive woman is a trap more bitter than death. Her passion is a snare and her soft hands are chains. Those who are pleasing to God will escape her, but sinners will be caught in her snare. This is my conclusion, says the teacher. I discovered this after looking at the matter from every possible anger. Though I have searched repeatedly, I have not found what I was looking for. Only one out of a thousand men is virtuous, but not one woman. But I did find this. God created people to be virtuous, but they have each turned to follow their own downward path. How wonderful to be wise to analyze and interpret things. Wisdom lights up a person's face, softening its harshness. Obey the king since you vowed to God that you would. Don't try to avoid doing your duty and don't stand with those who plot evil. For the king can do whatever he wants. His command is backed by great power. No one can resist or question it. Those who obey him will not be punished. Those who are wise will find a time and a way to do what is right. For there is a time and a way for everything, even when a person is in trouble. Indeed, how can people avoid what they don't know is going to happen? None of us can hold back our spirit from departing. None of us has the power to prevent the day of his death. There is no escaping the obligation. The dark battle and in the face of death, wickedness will certainly not rescue the wicked. I have thought deeply about all that goes on here under the sun, where people have the power to hurt each other. I have seen wicked people buried with honor, yet they were the very ones who frequently get the temple and are now praised. In the same city where they committed their crimes, this too is meaningless. When a crime is not punished quickly, people feel it is safe to do wrong. But even though a person sins a hundred times and still lives a long time, I know that they, those who fear God will be better off. The wicked will not prosper, for they do not fear God. Their days will never grow long like the evening shadows. And this is not all that is meaningless in our world, in this life. Good people are often treated as though they were wicked. And wicked people are often treated as though they were good. This is so meaningless. So I remember having fun because there is nothing better for people in this world than to eat, drink, and enjoy life. And that way they will experience some happiness along with all the hard work God gives them under the sun. In my search for wisdom and in my observation of people burdened here on earth, I discover that there is ceaseless activity day and night. I realize that no one can discover everything God is doing under the sun. Not even the wisest per people discover everything no matter what they claim. This too I carefully explored. Even though the actions of godly and wise people are in God's hands, no one knows whether God will show them favor. The same destiny ultimately awaits everyone. 
whether righteous or wicked, good or bad, ceremonially clean or unclean, religious or irreligious, good people receive the same treatment as sinners. And people who make promises to God are treated like people who don't. It seems so tragic that everyone under the sun suffers the same faith. That is why people are not more careful to be good. Instead, they choose their own mad course, for they have no hope. There is nothing ahead but death anyway. There is hope only for the living. As they say, it is better to be a, a live dog than a dead lion. The living at least know they will die, but the dead know nothing. They have no further reward, nor are they remembered. Whatever they did in their lives, loving, hating, envying, it's all long gone. They no longer play a part in anything here on earth. So go ahead, eat your food with joy, and drink your wine with a happy heart. For God approves of this. Wear fine clothes with a splash of cologne. Live happily with the woman you love through all the meaningless days of life that God has given you under the sun. The wife God gives you is your reward for all your earthly toil. Whatever you do, do well. For when you go to the grave, there will be no work or planning or knowledge or, or wisdom. I have observed something else under the sun. The fastest runner doesn't always win the race. And the strongest warrior doesn't always win the battle. The wise sometimes go hungry, and the skillful are not necessarily wealthy, and those who are educated don't always lead successful lives. It is all decided by chance, by being in the right place at the right time. People can never predict when hard times might come. Like fish in a net or birds in a trap, people are caught by sudden tragedy. Here is another bit of wisdom that has impressed me as I have watched the way our world works. There was a small town with only a few people, and a great king came with his army and besieged it. A poor wise man knew how to save the town, and so it was rescued. But afterwards, no one thought to thank him. So even though wisdom is better than strength, those who are wise will be despised if they are poor, what they say will not be appreciated for long. Better to hear the quiet words of a wise person than the shouts of a foolish king. Better to have wisdom than weapons of war, but one sinner can destroy much that is good. Wow. Let's read the commentary, see what it says here. Today's study... Many people avoid thinking about death, refuse to face it, and avoid attending funerals. Solomon is not encouraging us to think morbidly, but he knows that it is helpful to think soberly about death. It reminds us that we still have time to change, time to examine the direction of our lives, and time to confess our sins and find forgiveness from God, because everyone will eventually die it makes sense to plan ahead in order to experience God's mercy rather than his justice. Solomon's advice here seems to contradict his earlier observations that it is good to eat, drink, and find satisfaction in one's work. 
to enjoy what God has given, Ecclesiastes 5.18. But this is not necessarily a contradiction. We should certainly enjoy what we have, but we also need to realize that adversity is around the corner. Adversity remains, reminds us that life is short, teaches us how to live wisely, and refines our character. Christianity and Judaism see valuable values in suffering and sorrow. It is a refining fire. Most would agree that we learn much more from God most would agree that we learn more about God from difficult times than from happy times. Do you try to avoid sorrow and suffering all the, at all costs? What could your struggle be helping you to learn from God? Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful. And now, 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 8 through 16. I, Paul, I am not sorry that I sent the severe letter to you, Corinthians. Though I was sorry at first, for I know it was painful to you for a little while. Now I am glad I sent it, not because it hurt you, but because the pain caused you to repent and change your ways. It was the kind of sorrow God wants his people to have. So you are not harmed by us in any way. For the kind of sorrow God wants us to experience leads us away from sin and results in salvation. There's no regret for that kind of sorrow, but worldly sorrow, which lacks repentance, results in spiritual death. You see, what this godly sorrow produces in you, such earnestness, such concern to clear yourself, such indignation, such alarm, such longing to see me, such zeal, and such readiness to punish wrong you show that you have done everything necessary to make things right my purpose then was not to write about who did the wrong or who was wrong i wrote to you so that in the sight of god you could see for yourself how long you are to join us you, you how loyal you are to us again I wrote to you so that in the sight of God you could see for yourself how loyal you are to us. We have been greatly encouraged by this. In addition to our own encouragement, we were especially delighted to see how happy Titus was about the way all of you welcomed him and set his mind at ease. I had told him how proud I was of you, and you didn't disappoint me. I have always told you the truth, and now my boasting to Titus has also proved true. Now he cares for you more than ever when he remembers the way all of you obey him and welcome him with such fear and deep respect. I am very happy now because I have completed confidence in you. All right. That was pretty self-explanatory. Um, Paul affirms the Corinthians for the right response to his correction. It's difficult to accept criticism, correction, or rebuke with poise and grace. It is much more natural to be defensive and than counterattack. We can accept criticism with self-pity, thinking we don't really deserve it. 
We can be angry and resentful, but a mature Christian should graciously accept criticism, sincerely evaluate it, and grow from it. Have you been criticized lately? How do you react to it? What benefit could you take from it? Amen. That's the part that we got to be adults and we need criticism to see where we're, where we're off. Mind you, it not, might not be valid, but that's okay. Okay, here we go. Easy for me to say, huh? Okay, pray in the Psalms. Reflect on how God has protected you and loved you. Take time to remember and think about who could be encouraged by it. Amen. Let us reflect on how God has protected us. Let us think. think. Well, we got saved. He protected us from uh, shame, guilt, uh, poor me, not growing, not caring for uh, our souls, caring for our loved ones, our parents, not being uh, paying our bills. We reflect on how God has protected us and loved us. Thank you, Lord, for your love. We take time to remember. We thank you for all the benefits that your wisdom and your remembrance of you, Lord, we have. We think about who could be encouraged by it. Thank you, Father. I hope you're encouraged by my testimony that God had protected me and loved me many times since protected me in other countries when I was over there and a missionary protected and provided for me here in the United States and guided me I wish I would have took long walks and asked for his wisdom for this day his understanding for this day his knowledge for this day and just kept it up I would have kept it up for two years guess what would I be walking I would be walking in knowledge wisdom, enthusiasm, joy, satisfaction, more. It's there, folks. Everything we can possibly need is there for us asking. Like Waldo Emerson said, that wisdom is out in the bushes. Just ask for it. Say, thank you, God, for the wisdom for today, for the now. Thank you, God, for the understanding now. Thank you, God, for your joy now. Thank you, God, for your laughter now. Thank you, God, for your existence in me now. Everything is now. And thank you, God, for my problems in life, that you're helping me take care of them now. Thank you, God. Thank God for your problems. We don't let them eat our lunch. We got too many promises. Okay, Psalm 48, verses 1 through 14. How great is the Lord, how deserving of praise in the city of our God who sits on his holy mountain. It is high and magnificent. The whole earth rejoices to see it. Mount Zion, the holy mountain, is the city of the great king. God himself is in Jerusalem, towers revealing himself as its defender. The kings of the earth joined forces and advanced against the city, but when they saw it, they were stunned and they were terrified and ran away. They were gripped with terror and re- reeded in pain like a woman in labor. 
You destroy them like the mighty ships of Tarshish shattered by a powerful east wind. We had heard of the city's glory, but now we have seen it ourselves. The city of the Lord's heaven's armies, it is the city of our God. He will make it safe forever. O oh God, we meditate on your unfailing love as we worship in your temple. As your name deserves, O oh God, you will be praised to the ends of the earth. Your strong right hand is filled with victory. Let the people of Mount Zion rejoice. Let all the towns of Judah be glad because of your justice. Go, inspect the city of Jerusalem. Walk around and count the many towers. Take note of the fortified walls and tour all the citadels, that you may describe them to future generations. For that is what God is like. He is our God forever and ever, and He will guide us until we die. Amen. Proverbs for today is 22, 17, and 19. Listen to the words of the wise. Apply your heart to my instructions. For it is good to keep these sayings in your heart and always ready on your lips. I am teaching you today, yes, you, so you will trust in the Lord. And the final analysis, our work is to do the works of Jesus so we can trust in the Lord, continue to trust in Him. And if you don't trust the Lord, you need to write down His promises over and over again for a couple hours. And meditate on them till they become and they birth in our hearts. God bless you. Thank you for listening. You're, you are God's wonder. You are awesome. You are God's favorite. Thank you, Mr. Mrs. Favorite One. Greetings. We're going to be reading Isaiah chapter 48, verse 12, starting there for September 26. Thank you for listening in. The study of Isaiah 48.12 says, God's prophet Isaiah asserts God's sovereignty over the heavens and the earth and over all the kingdoms and empires of the world. Jerusalem and Judah had already been warned by God's prophets that the Babylonians would conquer them. Now Isaiah promised that the Babylonians will fall in turn. The Lord would choose the Persian king Cyrus to be his ally to destroy Babylon and release his exiled people. How could the Lord choose a pagan king who did not know the Lord to fulfill his divine plan? Isaiah anticipated such a question. It was a part of the reasoning he began by proclaiming God's sovereignty over all things. Heaven, earth, kingdoms, people. Who but a prophet of God could predict such an inconceivable but true story almost 200 years before it happened? And who but a truly sovereign God could bring it all to pass just as he promised? The world stage is full of leaders who don't honor God. Some are even openly hostile to the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. But God controls the course of world events. He removes kings and sets up other kings. Daniel 2.21 Even if kings stand against God, he has given them these moments to stand. Isaiah 48:12 Listen to me, O family of Jacob, Israel, my chosen one. I am 
alone am God, the first and the last. It was my hand that laid the foundations of the earth, my right hand that spread out the heavens above. When I call out the stars, they all appeared in order. Have any of your idols ever told you this? Come, all you, and listen. The Lord has chosen Cyrus as his ally. He will use him to put an end to the empire of Babylon and to destroy the Babylonian armies. I have said it. I am calling Cyrus. I will send him on this errand and will help him succeed. Come closer and listen to this. From the beginning, I have told you plainly that what would happen. And now the sovereign Lord and his spirit have sent me with this message. This is what the Lord says, your Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel. I am the Lord your God who teaches you what is good for you and leads you along the path you should follow. Oh, that you had listened to my commands, then you would have had peace flowing like a gentle river and righteousness rolling over you like waves in the sea. Your descendants would have been like the sands along the seashore, too many to count. There would have been no need for your destruction or for cutting off your family name. Yet even now be free from your captivity. Leave Babylon and the Babylonians sing out this message. Shout it to the ends of the earth. The Lord has redeemed his servants, the people of Israel. They were not thirsty when he led them through the desert. He divided the rock and water gushed out for them to drink. But there is no peace for the wicked, says the Lord. Listen to me, all you in distant lands. Pay attention, you who are far away. The Lord called me before my birth from within the womb. He called me by name. He made my words of judgment as sharp as a sword. He has hidden me in the shadow of his hand. I am like a sharp arrow in his quiver. He said to me, You are my servant, Israel, and you will bring me glory. I replied, But my work seems so useless. I have spent my strength for nothing and to no purpose. Yet I leave it all in the Lord's hand. I will trust God for my reward. And now the Lord speaks, the one who formed me in my mother's womb to be his servant, who commissioned me to bring Israel back to him. The Lord has honored me and my God has given me strength. He says, you will do more than restore the people of Israel to me. I will make you a light to the Gentiles, and you will bring my salvation to the ends of the earth. The Lord, the Redeemer, the Holy One of Israel, says to the one who is despised and rejected by the nations, to the one who is the servant of rulers, kings will stand at attention when you pass by. Princes will also bow low. Because of the Lord, the faithful one, the Holy One of Israel, who has chosen you. This is what the Lord says. At just the right time, I will respond to you. On the day of salvation, I will help you. I will protect you and give you to the people as my covenant with them. Through you, I will reestablish the land of Israel 
and assign it to his own people again. I will say to the prisoners, come out in freedom, and to those in darkness, come into the light. They will be my sheep, grazing in green pastures, and on hills that were previously bare. They will neither hunger nor thirst. The searing sun will not reach them anymore. For the Lord in his mercy will lead them. He will lead them besides cool waters. And I will make my mountains into level paths for them. The highways will be raised above the valleys. See, my people will return from far away, from the lands to the north and west, and from as far south as Egypt. Sing for joy, O heavens. Rejoice, O earth. Burst into song, O mountains. For the Lord has comforted his people and will have compassion on them in their suffering. Yet Jerusalem says, The Lord has deserted us. The Lord has forgotten us. Never can a mother forget her nursing child. Can she feel no love for the child she has born? But even if that were possible, I would not forget you. See, I have written your name on the palms of my hands. Always in my mind is a picture of Jerusalem's walls and ruins. Soon your descendants will come back and all who are trying to destroy you will go away. Look around you and see, for all your children will come back to you. As surely as I live, says the Lord, they will be like jewels or bridal ornaments for you to display. Even the most desolated parts of your abandoned land will soon be crowned with your people. Your enemies will enslave you, will be far away. The generations born in exile will return and say, We need more room. It's crowded here. Then you will think to yourself, Who has given me all these descendants? For most of my children were killed, and the rest were carried away into exile. I was left here all alone. Where did all these people come from? Who bore these children? Who raised them for me? This is what the Sovereign Lord says. See, I will give you a signal to the godless nations. I will give a signal to the godless nations. They will carry your little sons back to you in their arms. They will bring your daughters on their shoulders. Kings and queens will serve you and care for all your needs. They will bow to the earth before you and lick the dust from your feet. Then you will know that I am the Lord. Those who trust in me will never be put to shame. Who can snatch the plunder of war from the hands of a warrior? Who can demand that a tyrant let his captives go? But the Lord says, The captives of warriors will be released And the plunder of tyrants will be retrieved. For I will fight those who fight you, and I will save your children. I will feed your enemies with their own flesh. They will be drunk with rivers of their own blood. All the world will know that I, the Lord, am your Savior and your Redeemer, the Mighty One of Israel. This is what the Lord says. Was your mother sent away because I divorced her? Did I sell you as slaves to be my creditors? No, you were sold because of your sins, and your mother's too was taken because of your sins. Why was no one there when I came? Why didn't anyone answer me when I called? 
It is because I have no power to rescue? No, that is not the reason. For I can speak for the sea and make it dry up. I can turn rivers into desert covered with dying fish. I dress the skies in darkness, covering them with clothes of mourning. The sovereign Lord has given me his words of wisdom, so that I know how to comfort the weary. Morning by morning he wakens me and opens my understanding to his will. The sovereign Lord has spoken to me, and I have listened. I have not rebelled or turned away. I offered my back to those who beat me, and my cheeks to those who pull out my beard. I did not hide my face from mockery and spitting. Because the Sovereign Lord helps me, I will not be disgraced. Therefore, I have set my face like a stone, determined to do His will. And I know that I will not be put to shame. He who gives me justice is near. Who will dare to bring charges against me now? Where are my accusers? Let them appear. See, the Sovereign Lord is on my side. Who will declare me guilty? All my enemies will be destroyed like old clothes that have been eaten by moths. Who among you fears the Lord and obeys his servant? If you are walking in darkness without a ray of light, trust in the Lord and rely on your God. But watch out, you who live in your own light and warm yourself by your own fires. This is the reward you will receive from me. You will soon fall down in great torment. Reading Ephesians chapter 4, 17. Today's study on Ephesians 4, 17 is people should be able to see a difference between Christians and non-Christians because of the way Christians live. Paul told the Ephesians to leave behind the old life of sin since they were now followers of Christ. Our old way of life before we believe in Christ should be viewed as being in the past. We should put it behind us like old clothes to be thrown away. We are not to be driven any by desire and impulse. Although we have a new nature, we don't automatically think all good thoughts and express all right attitudes. We must put on the new nature, head in the new direction, and have new ways of thinking that the Holy Spirit gives. Living the Christian life is a process. Accepting Christ's gift of salvation is both a one-time decision and a renewed commitment every day. Although change can be slow, God shapes you as you continue to trust in Him. If we keep listening and obey to God, we will be changing all the time. As you look back over last year, do you see the process of change for the better in your thoughts, attitudes, and actions? Amen. <laughs> Ephesians chapter 4, verse 17. With the Lord's authority, I, Paul, say this. Live no longer as the Gentiles do, for they are hopelessly confused. 
Their minds are full of darkness. They wander far from the life God gives because they have closed their minds and hardened their hearts against Him. They have no sense of shame. They live for lustful pleasures and eagerly practice every kind of impurity. But that isn't what you learn about Christ since you have heard about Jesus and have learned the truth that comes from Him. Throw off your old sinful nature and your former ways of life, which is corrupt by lust and deception. Instead, let the Spirit renew your thoughts and our attitudes. Put on your new nature, created to be like God, truly righteous and holy. So stop telling lies. Let all us tell our neighbors the truth, for we are all part of the same body. And don't sin by letting anger control you. Don't let the sun go down while you are still angry, for anger gives a foothold to the devil. If you are a thief, quit stealing. Instead, use your hands for good, hard work. And then give generously to others in need. Don't use foul or abusive language. Let everything you say be good and helpful, so that your words will be an encouragement to those who hear them. And do not bring sorrow to God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. Remember, He has identified you as His own, guaranteeing that you will be saved on the day of redemption. Get rid of all bitterness, rage, anger, harsh words, and slander, as well as all the types of evil behavior. Instead, be kind to one another, tender-hearted, forgiving one another, just as God through Christ has forgiven you. The word of the Lord. And now for praying the Psalms. We keep praying to God with humility and repentance. We continue to wait for his salvation with confidence. Psalm 69. Verses 1 through 18. Save me, O God, for the floodwaters are up to my neck. Deeper and deeper I sink into the mire. I can't find a foothold. I am in deep water, and the floods overwhelm me. I am exhausted from crying for help. My throat is parched. My eyes are swollen with weeping, waiting for my God to help me. Those who hate me without cause outnumber the hairs of my head. Many enemies try to destroy me with lies, demanding that I give back what I didn't steal. O God, you know how foolish I am. My sins cannot be hidden from you. Don't let those who trust in you be ashamed because of me. O sovereign Lord of heaven's armies, don't let me cause them to be humiliated, O God of Israel. For I endure insults for your sake. Humiliation is written all over my face. Even my own brothers pretend they don't know me. They treat me like a stranger. Passion for your house has consumed me, and the insults of those who insult you have fallen on me. When I weep and fast, they scoff at me. When I dress in burlap to show sorrow, they make fun of me. I am the favorite topic of town's gossip, and all the drunks sing about me. But I keep praying to you, Lord, hoping this time you will show me favor. 
In your unfailing love, O Lord, O God, answer my prayer with your sure salvation. Rescue me from the mud. Don't let me sink any deeper. Save me from those who hate me and pull me from the deep waters. Don't let the floods overwhelm me or the deep waters swallow me or the pit of death devour me. Answer my prayers, O Lord, for your unfailing love is wonderful, but care of me. Take care of me, for your mercy is so plentiful. Don't hide from your servant. Answer me quickly, for I am in deep trouble. Come and redeem me, free me from my enemies. Proverbs 24, verse 5 to 6. The wise are mightier than the strong, and those who knowledge grow stronger and stronger. So don't go to war without wise guidance. Victory depends on having many advisors. The word of the Lord. Thanks be to God.